And we're back. Another edition of Around the Nest 2.0 Season 2, where we talk all things Blue Jays minor leagues and some big leagues as well. Tyler Zickel from the Vancouver Canadians here. Leo Mui, our intrepid producer, getting us going. And of course, all the way up and down the ladder, the nest is full today. Pat Malacaro at the top for AAA Buffalo. Steve Goldberg, AA New Hampshire. AT, Andrew Triffley talking single A, Dunedin. Gentlemen, good day. Pat, let's start with you. It's been a while since we've had a chance to chat. Good to have you back in the nest. It was your midseason migration, which had you away from the nest for an extended stretch. But good to see you from Syracuse coming to us from the Empire State as the herd pushed down the stretch. Lots of good results in the month of August so far. Yeah, and this is a Bisons team that's fighting for one of the two playoff spots in the International League. The division champions from each league division will, will go to Las Vegas and at the end of September beginning of October and the Bisons are right there still. Uh, they've been within four games for the better part of uh, six weeks now. And after that slide that saw them lose six straight to Scranton and then five out of seven to the Syracuse team they're playing this week, they've played much better baseball. And, uh, you know, some of the guys that came up from double A that maybe were trying to find their way the first couple of weeks or uh, whether it's a, a free agent that was signed to try and uh, study things out for the team, they've started to find their footing a lot. And then you add in someone like Rafael Lantigua who comes up had a, the straight steal of home a couple of days ago, hit his first career AAA home run uh, last night in a losing effort, but he's provided a little bit of a spark plug as well. So it hasn't just been one or two people. It's been really everybody up and down the, the 28 or extended roster that that is here in AAA this year that's been contributing over the last six weeks. Clue us in on the ripple effect of the changing at the top of the ladder, a.k.a. the big leagues. When uh, Charlie Montoya was dismissed, John Snyder takes over. But then the ripple effect comes down through the system, specifically in the managerial ranks. So tell us about what that's been like there at AAA. Yeah, really, there hasn't been much change other than the fact that maybe the team's a little less aggressive on the base paths because now with Casey Candell serving as the interim bench coach under John Schneider for the rest of the year, it's really the same philosophy uh, that Jeff Ware named the interim manager for the rest of this season for the Bisons is carrying through because Jeff worked so closely with Casey, with Devon White, um, you know, all the different coaches for this Bisons team, Corey Hart, uh, the hitting coach. So they've worked together so tightly over the last year and a half that they're kind of all on the same page together. When you add in someone like Brendan Kelly, who has come in from the bullpen uh, and is now serving in kind of the unofficial pitching coach role and no longer uh, the full-time bullpen coach. Uh, it's really the, the same core philosophies that have been followed all the way through. And like I said, maybe the aggressiveness might not be there because you don't have Casey kind of in concert with Devon White uh, coaching third base. It's more uh, Debo um, deciding a little more now when the team will be aggressive, but it's really the same team and the same philosophy. And I, I have not seen much change. Um, and I don't think we'll see any change as we go down the final 45 games of the year. Pat, we do have a Twitter question for you. Jerry Mack wants to know, and uh, shout out to Jerry Mack, regular listener of the podcast. What's the deal with uh, Mr. Moreno and Mr. Horwitz? Perhaps a little MIA right now. Is there anything you can share? What do you know and what can you tell us? Yeah, they're progressing. They're just dealing with the bumps and bruises that, that happen throughout the course of a season. Both uh, have been taking swings in the batting cages uh, here at, at MBT Bank Stadium in Syracuse, uh, trying to, to make sure that everything is okay. Um, I know Gabby specifically is catching bullpens um, for pitchers. So he's kind of just working through the course of, of a long season and dealing with uh, just a minor, minor hiccup right now. And the expectation is both will be back in the lineup uh, sooner rather than later. They're not in uh, the lineup as we record this on Friday here in Syracuse. They're not in tonight's lineup. Um, and they may get a couple of more days of rest 
but uh, I, I'm fairly confident that uh, both will be back uh, for the final 40 game stretch or so, uh, potentially as soon as next Tuesday. And next Tuesday, returning home to Salem Field to start a two week long homestand, which is always a boon for a team that plays well at home, a fan base that certainly supports the team better than many in North America. I'd like to put the Vancouver Canadians up for consideration for that as well. But at the same time, a little bit of home cooking coming up after you wrap up this two-week road trip against a couple of tricky opponents, as you alluded to earlier. So as you talk about the final 40-game stretch, get some of those boppers back in the lineup, and you're at home for two weeks, things are looking up for the herd. They are. It's a make-or-break two weeks. There's no doubt about it. You're taking on two teams that are fighting for playoffs themselves. In Lehigh Valley, they're a team that has played far better on the road this year than at home. It makes no sense at all, but uh, the last time the Bisons were in Lehigh Valley, and it was a couple of weeks ago, um, they were hitting about 40 points higher on the road than at home, and they've been right around 10 games above 500 away from their home ballpark all year where they've been just around the 500 markets. It, it goes against the old adage of play 500 on the road and play winning baseball at home. It's been the reverse for Lehigh Valley this year. So they're a better road team and they're a team that has continued to get stronger as the season has gone on. So I'm looking forward to that matchup. And then Bison's took five out of six from Columbus right around the Memorial Day week. It was the week before leading into Memorial Day. The Bison's thoroughly dominated the series. Zach Collins had just joined the team for the first time. He hit a, a big home run. Chavez Young had just joined the team and he performed well and they got solid contributions up and down the roster and the rotation. Columbus since that time has really taken off and they are, they have been within two games, a game and a half of Nashville who was running away with the West division for the first three months of the year. They've come to earth. Columbus has made the charge and they're playing as good as baseball as they've played in a while. And what else is new? I know Bison fans know this having been affiliated with the Cleveland franchise in the late 90s and early 2000s through the mid-2000s there. They've always turned out very good prospects and teams. Columbus is in the mix again. Lehigh Valley is going to be there. So of those 12 games, the Bisons have to come out of that with a winning record because you're taking on one of the teams above you in the divisional chase, and you're taking on a team that probably is one of the hottest in baseball in AAA right now. It's interesting. It sounds like as you explain then the playoff picture and the way some teams are getting hot, some are not in international league action Triple-A Buffalo, high-A Vancouver, very similar August trajectories right now, very much in control of their own destinies. That's the case here in the Northwest League. The Seas fell out of first place. They're a game and a half back after losing three straight to Eugene, the Giants affiliate this week. But in four of the next six series, they're playing certainly a playoff caliber team or somebody who they're contentious with trying to make that second spot in the split season schedule where Eugene's already punched their ticket. So now you have two scenarios. You have either you win the second half and the Canadians are in or that you need to have the second best overall record from start to finish entire season. You have the Spokane Club who you'll see for the last road trip of the year. Certainly very much challenging for that. So we have a couple of great playoff races on our hands, it sounds like. Yeah, and this Bison team is doing it without a full complement of starting pitchers. And it's something we really haven't had a chance to talk about because I haven't been on the program as of late. But this Bison pitching staff has two starters now. And that was one of the things right around the trading deadline. Max Castillo was coming back to the team, was with Buffalo in Scranton, Wilkesbury as the trading deadline came and went. And as part of that trade to get Whit Merrifield, he's now in the Royals organization. So that's one less starting pitcher the Bisons have. They're pretty much going with that, quote, bulk role 
you know, it's no longer long relief. It's more the bulk role is what it's called now, uh, where you'll have guys go two, three, four innings uh, in the expectation that if they go to the big leagues, they would be a, a long relief bulk role. Sean Anderson, Bowden Francis, they have filled that role for the Bisons. Nick Allgaier started the year in the rotation like those other two. He's now a two to four inning guy. And they've done it with a pitching staff that, like I said, has only had two starters. And it's been a delicate balance for Jeff Ware uh, since about June when this was implemented because it started to become a a thing, a priority thing for this team uh, when Max Castillo was still in the rotation and he was taken out of it right before his major league debut and he was going to be a bulk reliever. So it was something we started to see about two months ago and, you know, working in guys like Mike Ellenbest every five or six days and making sure guys are still sharp, even though they're, they're only pitching once every uh, twice a series now. Um, you know, so that's kind of the delicate balance. The Bisons have, have kind of had to the tightrope they've had to walk. And I think this pitching staff deserves a lot of credit because uh, there hasn't been any complaints about it. Uh, guys have just gone out. Sean Anderson and Bowden Francis have basically started uh, every other game that Casey Lawrence and Thomas Hatch haven't. And then it goes from there. Usually Nick Allgaier follows uh, Sean Anderson. And then, you know, it goes from there and, and guys are embracing the role. All right, Pat, let's finish with this. A little bit of levity. Not that all of this isn't light because, of course, who doesn't love talking Blue Jays prospects, Blue Jays minor league baseball, and really just whatever we get into on the nest. No one's ever said that I'm laser focused, but I do want to know. And if you got to the prompt that we talked about in our email chain, fantastic. If not, all good. As much as I hate to admit it, we're turning the page in the part of the summer where now football starts to become part of the North American consciousness. As much as I hate to admit it, it's much to my chagrin. I wish we were talking baseball 365, but if you could put together a six man touch or flag football team, you are one of the players, but then you draft five guys from the current Bison's roster. Tell us those five and you know what, give us their positions. If you're thinking about it. Well, I, I've, I've given some thought about this. Uh, you know, I, I couldn't come to the nest today, not prepared. So um, an easy one for me is a guy like Logan Warmoth, who, um, you know, he's just a, a natural athlete. He started as a, an infielder, as a shortstop by trade, and now plays the outfield pretty seamlessly. So, you know, to me, he's, he's a guy that I, I could see him being kind of your Debo Samuel type player, where he could do a little bit of everything for you. And then you've got the guy like Chavez Young, who could be, just your straight run down the field and catch catch the ball 60 yards away from Kyle Johnston, who I think would be your, your quarterback. I mean, you can't go wrong with a guy from Texas who brings a football to the field every day and throws it around uh, with the guys. So there's three of them right there. Uh, I look up and down the roster and, and you know, yeah, I, I, you can add a guy like Colton Shaver, who you now flag football isn't necessarily about, uh, you know, blocking and, and things like that, but guy that has a little bit of bulk and, and can, can, uh, can provide a little uh, protection for you as well. So those are four of them right there. And you throw in somebody else, you know, with some height, a guy like Mike Ellenbest, maybe that, you know, catch the ball over, over the shoulder and, and, and uh, you know, can run a good route. So that'd be my, the five guys I put on my team. And I think I got a nice little mix there of a little bit of everything. And Pat, I don't know if I missed it. What position are you going to play? Oh, uh, just, I'll just go out. I'll just keep running. Nice. Just keep running. Yeah. Perfect. Yes. Bomb it to me and then find a way to make a catch in the back of the end zone. Exactly. Ah, Pat, thank you very much for uh, participating. And I'm looking forward to hearing what Steve and Andrew have to say on that vein as well. But as always, Pat Malacaro from AAA Buffalo. Pat, good to have you back. Cheers to chasing some wins in August. And most importantly, go Bisons. Before we say goodbye to you, tell us where we can listen to all things heard. Thanks, Tyler. Yeah, it's been great catching up with you guys this week and long overdue. You can find uh, us at the Odyssey app. 
Um, we're on the bet fifteen twenty a.m. in Western New York, Bisons.com, and also you can uh, follow me on social media at Pat WGR. We we tweet out a lot of highlights and links there as well. The one and only Pat Malacaro. Thank you, Pat. We'll go one rung down the ladder. Mr. Steve Goldberg coming to us live from downtown Manchester, New Hampshire. Live free or die. Hey, Steve. Hey, Tyler. Good to hear from you. Great to uh, have the uh, Fisher Cats back at home, too. Two-week homestand wrapping up this weekend. And it's kind of crazy. We only have 15 more home games left in the regular season. It's wild. It seems as though just a couple of blinks ago, we were talking at the end of May. But here we are, mid-August. Fisher Cats having some fun there in downtown Manchester at the Tooth. Some good, but some not so good, specifically these last three games against the Tigers affiliate from Erie. Three consecutive losses after certainly an intriguing and exciting series against the Flying Squirrels of Richmond the week prior. Give us your 30,000 foot view. Yeah, we won't keep it too, too negative on this. We'll try to stay positive and upbeat. But overall, I mean, Erie is a really great ball club. Uh, this is a team that's 22 games above the 500 mark. They hit well, they pitch well. It's really been a challenge for the uh, Fisher Cats over uh, the past few games. Uh, New Hampshire had a lead in the matinee on Wednesday. They were up a run late with two outs in the ninth inning, but he already put up three two-out runs in the frame, came back for the win in that one. So, so far this series, not a lot of success, but uh, you mentioned that Richmond series, uh, New Hampshire uh, fought back with uh, three straight wins in that series after uh, dropping uh, the first two. Uh, they had a really uplifting uh, comeback victory on Thursday where the pitching was there. Walked two, struck out 19, which was a new uh, Fisher Cats team record last Thursday, uh, led by uh, Adam Kloffenstein and then uh, some great relief as well coming out of the bullpen. Braden Scott with six strikeouts, Sean Mellon with four Ks. And uh, the Fisher Cats battled back on a Zach Britton two-run homer in the eighth, walked it off on a John Aiello homer in the ninth. So that win carried over into the weekend. We saw Ricky Tiedemann make his double-A debut last Friday. He went three innings, struck out five, only allowed a pair of base runners. So overall, uh, a really solid series. Uh, the team battled back to earn a split against Richmond. And although uh, the, the past few games haven't uh, gone New Hampshire's way, uh, still a great shot uh, coming down the stretch. Certainly, I want to talk a little bit about Adam Kloffenstein as we see flashes of the guy that we know is there now making his double-A debut this season. Those 10 punch-outs, certainly a career, or and I should also say season highlight for the Magnolia, Texas native. But Steve, can you just tell us about what you're seeing every fifth or sixth day from Kloffenstein, who certainly has had an up-and-down journey, repeated at the level in high A to start this year, but somebody who has such terrific potential, and we saw some of that in that 10-strikeout performance. Yeah, I've seen I've seen a lot of improvement overall with cloth uh, from start to finish when we first got him to now uh, he's uh, controlling his pitches a lot more the sliders uh, looking a lot more effective and a lot like what we had soft flashes of here and there in his first few starts but just wasn't consistent he was missing his spots when when he did have stuff in the zone it didn't have a whole lot of life and he was getting hit around there were you know other games where he walked several batters and the walk total was really high. Um, but, but overall he's, uh, decreased his walks. He's throwing a lot more strikes. Slider has been looking nasty over his past couple of outings and he's starting to blossom into the pitching prospect that, that we had heard about. And, you know, we, we certainly, uh, you know, hope that that continues. Um, so, so I've definitely uh, seen a lot more out of, uh, Kloffenstein recently compared to, uh, the first couple of months when he was here. How about Addison Barger? What an incredible story. We knew all about him here in high A Vancouver is still among league leaders in just about every offensive category. And in fact, leads the Northwest League 
in slugging percentage and OPS right now as we're talking on this Friday, August 12th. And his last game with the Canadians was a month ago. So as he enters action today, I'm just going to go off his player page. It's not like I've memorized it. He's batting 384 in AA, Steve. And by doing so, he has five doubles, four homers in 24 games. So clearly the bat has traveled from British Columbia to New Hampshire. Yeah, no kidding. And and Barger's not a guy who's on the top 30 prospect list, but those lists, you can sometimes take them with a grain of salt. And Barger is a perfect example of why. Um, he's a guy that, I mean, in all fairness, should be on that top 30 list uh, and most likely will be uh, come later this year or uh, the start of next year. And he's only had a few hitless games. And, you know, for the first week or the first couple of weeks, it was, well, you know, small sample size. And, you know, you can have a guy who gets off to a really hot start and then all of a sudden comes down to earth and, you know, double A pitching will catch up to you at some point. But we really haven't seen that from Barger. He's only had a few hitless games. He's been on base constantly. He's at 10 multi-hit games in his time with New Hampshire. And like you said, the batting average uh, flirting with the 400 mark, he was plus 400 for a while although uh, down to uh, 384 at this point, but that's, you know, nothing to sneeze at in, in nearly 25 games at double A and uh, talk about putting an exclamation point on the season. Uh, Barger's certainly done that. Another guy on offense would love to get your perspective about is Luis De Los Santos, somebody who we have not spent a lot of time talking about here on Around the Nest this year, was an impact player for the Canadians in high A in 2021 as the starting shortstop, but now with Barger on the roster, of course, or Elvis Martinez getting the bulk of his reps at third base, but Luis playing a lot of second base. Steve, get a, give us a little clue in on what Luis has been up to and contributing for the Fisher Cats. Average looks great, plays good defense. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, De Los Santos has been really uh, consistent throughout this season. Um, you know, like you said, both with the bat and with the glove. Um, and recently, he's got hits in uh, 12 of the last 13 games. He's batting nearly 400 in that stretch. Got seven extra base hits, including a couple of homers. So, um, you know, if anything, uh, the bats come on even more so lately than, than earlier in the year. But, I mean, for the most part, he's been a consistent hitter and one of the better hitters on this team. You know, you throw Tanner Morris out of the equation, Horwitz, and, uh, you know, maybe uh, one or two other guys, Lantigua as well, who's you know, average was slightly higher here, but De Los Santos is right up in the mix with all those guys. And, you know, certainly could be a guy who you wind up seeing pushed up to a triple a early, if not at uh, the start of next season, you know, there's not a lot that he hasn't proven at this level uh, this year. He's also a great ninth inning hitter too. If you look up his ninth inning stats, just incredible numbers in the ninth, which is really great when, you know, when you look down, you're maybe you're down a run or two and you see him coming up in the order late in the game. Uh, the ninth inning has been huge for uh, the Fisher Cats and uh, uh, some uh, uh, comeback wins this year. And De Los Santos, uh, big reason why. Okay, let's finish, Steve, like we finished with Pat. Let's talk about your pickup football roster, starting with you now. Leo, our producer, clued me in. Yes, the CFL did start in June. Shame on me for my American ignorance for that one, Leo, but thank you for the heads up. So the continental consciousness of football is ongoing, but in the state specifically, we'll keep it riding come August. So for you, Steve, first of all, what position are you playing? Well, for me, I mean, I'll try to stay out of the way as much as possible, but, you know, maybe, maybe run, run a veer route and just stay out of the equation. Let the guys do their thing. Um, I would put uh, Adam Klofenstein as my quarterback um, receivers. I would go with Zach Cook and Cam Eden, give you a lot of speed and uh, also two guys with great hands. They 
uh, tend to swap off time in center field. One plays center, one plays left or right in the outfield. So they both have great hands and, and bring a lot of speed to the team. You could have a cook running some slants and curls and Eden on a go route and uh, really be, really be effective and, and a whole lot of threats there. Uh, I love Jake Elliott as a tight end. He's got a six foot seven frame, big target out there for, for King cloth and uh, Tyler Keenan on the O line, right? You need some protection and Keenan, 250 pounds, big body up front. So definitely a guy that I'd feel comfortable back with as a quarterback with him up front. Steve Goldberg, that is the analysis we are looking for here on Around the Nest. Thank you very much. Before we hop down and go back and forth with AT and single A, tell us how we can tune into double A Fisher Cats action. Yeah, you can uh, tune in to us on uh, WGIR 610 and Fox Sports 930 in the great state of New Hampshire. Uh, also catch us online, nhfishercats.com. Tweet at us at FisherCats. If you have any questions or comments or just want to criticize the broadcasters, you're welcome to do that as well. Uh, Ricky Tiedemann goes again tonight, so second start for him. Tune in, 7.05 Eastern time start for Manchester Fisher Cats and the Seawolves. And before I pass it back off to you guys, I've got one question about a newcomer on our Fisher Cats team who you've seen a lot of at Vancouver. Juan Nunez, 26-year-old, never made it past a ball, but all of a sudden re-signs as a free agent earlier this year. And from what I heard, he's throwing 100 miles an hour. It's definitely a lively fastball and great to see one, a guy who was the most veteran player on the Canadians roster before his promotion, get that well-deserved opportunity. Inherited runners in just about every single start, or I should say appearance out of the bullpen that he was called upon to play in and stranded a majority of those runners. In fact, his debut this year came in with the bases loaded, nobody out in a hot day down in Hillsborough earlier this season, and he got a strikeout and induced a double play over the course of maybe six pitches. So comes in, this is a guy who's very level-headed, an older player who doesn't let the game speed up too much, always is the same persona on the mound. And he's got that incredible fastball that he mixes well with a couple of breaking off speed pitches and really had been one of the more reliable relievers for Brent Lavallee's club. I think Garrett Farmer is in that mix as well, but Garrett's been on the injured list dealing with some illness. So certainly a bummer to lose one as that sure thing in the middle to late innings, but well-deserved promotion to double a. And yeah, he's bringing that triple digit fastball with him out there to the granite state. Yep. Excited to see that Tyler. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for dropping in with a question as well. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Keep and going a little, little transition action, right? It's a little back and forth. And you know, last year, the onus fell on Tyler Murray, who would interview me essentially about what's happening with the Canadians. Nobody wants to hear a monologue from anybody, let alone me. So I appreciate the back and forth. And we're going to do more of that as we jump down and uh, chat with the Mr. DJ himself, Andrew Trifley. Good day, AT. Coming to us uh, from the facility. Looks like all the lights are on. <laughs> yeah, just in the office uh, at, at back at TD Ballpark. It's good to be here's, what, here's what I want to do with you. Since the Canadians are now essentially uh, a DJ's alumni association, I want to get your thoughts as we go back and forth and I report on some recent promotions that you got to see for a bulk of the season. First off, Gabby Martinez, been a great addition to the lineup in his first game, hit a line drive home run into the neutral zone out there in left field at the Nat, set the place ablaze doubled in each of the next two day games. And although he didn't have a hit in last night's loss, he drove in the first run with an RBI ground out. So continuing to do what he did in single A Dunedin and certainly somebody 
who is only just getting started, youngest player in the league now as a newly minted 20-year-old, and this is just old hat for you after watching it for the first three and a half, four months of the year. He's obviously impressive to watch. Um, I mean, there's people have goals at the beginning of the season, and uh, one of the goals for one of our coaches, he was outside of that top 30 prospect list, and they knew the talent that he had, and they wanted to see him get in there, and he goes from not even on the lists to he's now seven or eight by a lot of publications. And that, I think that's just a testament to the talent that he has. He, he missed a month in the season uh, due to, uh, I want to, the haymate bone, broke his haymate bone uh, in his hand, missed a month of the season, comes back, first step bat, hits a home run, doesn't miss a beat. And at that young of an age, you, you could, you would think that he might uh, need a little bit to kind of get back into things, uh, but he's, he's turned into a real professional hitter, getting a lot better with those swing decisions that they always talk about. And, he, him and Rainer certainly earned their promotions, and it's great to see them up there continue to produce. Do you think Rainer's a guy who could play himself into a top 30 ranking on one of those lists? I think he's got the talent to do it. Yeah. Um, like I've always said in the uh, past episodes, he's got to work on the, um, the plate discipline. Uh, but I think that's more of him just wanting to do damage and wanting to be the guy that, that drives and runs, and rightfully so because he's got that kind of bat. Um, but it, it's just going to take him – uh, being patient, I think the lineup that you all have uh, in Vancouver, not a lot of holes in it, as you said. I think there's a lot of length to that lineup now. A lot of a lot of great players that are still there, and Leo Jimenez that's been there for a while, and PK Morris, and you're adding guys like Dom that's been there for a while now, Rainer, Gabby, Glenn Santiago, Desan. So I think now that there's length to that lineup, hopefully we, we you see more of Rainer uh, kind of have that discipline. And he could certainly be in there, uh, maybe a little older uh, than like a Gabby Martinez, but uh, definitely has the talent to be in there. I know they play different positions, but I'm glad you brought up Leo Jimenez. And I never had this thought until really just now. But Leo Jimenez and Gabby Martinez, I see a lot of similarities there. I mean, similar body types, similar athleticism. Left side of the diamond, of course, Jimenez, a shortstop. Martinez primarily in left field, though played right field last night. And then similar quick bat, even their batting stances look slightly similar. These days, Leo is a little more spread out. But what do you think? Is that something that could be somewhat comparable between those two guys, both young as well? I think that's very comparable. Obviously, I think Gabby has a little more pop. Um, uh, Now, granted, I didn't see the pop here with Leo. Just uh, I think he really started to grow into the body uh, in Vancouver. Right now, I think my best comp that I was thinking about for Leo would be uh, Estevan Machado, who's with us. Estevan here, he's, he's putting the ball in play and he's getting on base. Um, haven't seen the pop yet, but I think he is having a very similar season to what Leo did here last year, minus uh, getting hit by pitch seemingly every other at-bat. <laughs> yeah, Leo leading the team in bruises, in fact, had to leave the game uh, the other night because he was hit by a pitch in the wrist and is uh, not penciled in there again today, I believe. I'll have to double-check our lineup. But that being said, number five Blue Jays prospect. No need to rush Leo Jimenez along. He's got that power stroke coming along, just as we discussed, as the weather heated up this year. And so it's just now a matter of keeping him healthy and on the field. And uh, the same is true for Gabby Martinez and Rainer Nunez. Uh, let's jump right to the football conversation, Andrew. I know we've had a chance to hear Pat and to hear Steve share theirs, but maybe you and I can go back and forth i'll tell you mine first only because i got a couple of your guys on this list most notably unsurprising here desan brown is going to be a wide receiver has to be number 27 blue jays prospect considered by many the most athletic player in the system right now we had a laugh to 
Dasan and I did yesterday because on the radio, maybe last week, I had mentioned something how Dasan's hat was always falling off when he was going to go make a great catch in the gap. And based on your laughter, it feels like that was happening down in Dunedin as well. Well, he made an incredible leaping grab that would have not been a homer, but robbed as a double on Tuesday. We saw each other and then he said to me, hey, Tyler. I kept my hat on for that one. So he's aware of it, but uh, definitely a guy who could not only be the go route runner, as Steve Goldberg so aptly said, but somebody who could certainly mix it up in the secondary on defense as well. I'm playing wide receiver just because at the end of the day, this arm, nothing doing this body. I'm not blocking anybody. And with that in mind, I've got uh, Yol Concepcion as my lineman because he's six foot five, 240. He's long and rangy, so he can get his arm out there and stop somebody from running by. I'm going to have Rainer Nunez be the tight end. So uh, Rainer's got some sneaky hands, made a great catch on a line drive at first base last night. I like what I see here in high A. And then my running back will be Garrett Spain. This is a guy who's got great quickness, somebody who runs all over the outfield, makes great plays, and an incredible arm. Multiple outfield assists this year from right field, a couple at second, one at third, so he could throw it on some sort of lateral and then chuck down the field. And then lastly, Chad Dallas, pride of Tennessee. This is a guy who uh, certainly knows college football, brings the football to the yard every day and is throwing pregame with somebody else who's either played in the SEC or is from the southern states in the U.S. He somehow seems to find those guys who want to chuck the pigskin. But for me, Chad Dallas, who leads the team in starts until Sam Robertson joins him tonight. That's my guy who's going to be my quarterback. So there's my uh, there's my QB, right, uh, running back, wide receiver, O-line, and tight end setup for our Blue Jays pick up football draft. What about you down there in single A? Uh, yeah, I'll give you mine. I'd, I'd love to know first how the Nat has uh, taken to the Canadians in uh, in Desan Brown uh, coming up and and Dom, obviously, as well. Is it, oh, is my it an gosh. exciting thing for them? It's They love it. This is fantastic. We've really enjoyed having uh, Canadians on the, on the Canadians. What a weird thing to say. Specifically Dom. We announced uh, Niall O'Donohoe, our terrific PA announcer, who also does a great website, seasplusbaseball.ca. That's a free one for you, Niall. He uh, adds on Dom and on Desan's announcements when they get announced for the starting lineup to take the field with the little kids for baseball buddies. From Surrey, B.C., Damiano Palmagiani, and people love it. Obviously, Surrey's, you know, 30 minutes from the ballpark. And Oakville, Ontario, where Desan is from, gets a lot of love as well. So nice to see it. When I fill out the lineup chalkboard every day, I'll add that as well, just so we can show some love to the guys uh, who are from our home country. Well, not of mine course. specifically, not according to my passport, but my adopted home. So yes. definitely. Definitely love to have those Canadian guys, though Dom specifically has clearly left a legacy in Dunedin because the Twitterverse still loves Damiano Palmagiani and a couple of super fans down there for the DJs are sorely missing uh, the pride of Surrey, BC. Very much. Great human is uh, Dom. But if I, if I had to give you my five here, um, these are really just guys that you could probably play anywhere. Uh, positionless football we're playing in Dunedin. Love it. Uh, we're just going to give you, obviously, a lot of the guys on the team have only been with the organization for a solid three days now. So, But um, I'm going to start with Ben Baggett. Uh, just a wild mind, wild human. I uh, hope you all get to meet him. Uh, he, great. he, you just want a guy like him on your team. Okay, sure. Uh, Harry Rutkowski uh, from New Jersey, big body guy, probably play tight end for you. Can also throw it around a little bit. 
Um, and then I'm going two SEC guys that just joined the team because uh, obviously if they're in the SEC, they could probably play a little bit of football. And so Kay Doty from, from Louisiana, obviously have to go with my guy from Louisiana. Dylan Rock from Texas A&M, another uh, athlete playing left field for us right now. And then I'm going to take uh, Adrian Pinto as my, my sneaky option, really quick guy, small guy that can get down the field and maybe make some, uh, some chunk plays for you. I'm so glad you brought that up. And first and foremost, terrific list. I know nobody on that list because they're all relatively new, but this is a great place to break ground. We're talking about these guys and we will for years to come. So we're hearing it first as a potential pickup football team. That's what I love around about around the nest. We just get into it in ways we never imagined much to Leo's chagrin, I'm sure. But you know what? I am curious to know about the additions of some of these draftees. The Canadians got their first two. T.J. Brock out of Ohio State, Mason Fluharty out of Liberty, who was the fifth rounder, made his debut last night, looked really good, but a two-out walk turned into a late run in that same inning. He worked just one inning, but overall looked great, breaking stuff, especially dastardly. So looking forward to the former Flame to continue his pro career here in Vancouver to wrap up the season. But what is the vibe like adding all this fresh blood from the draft? Yeah, I mean, I got on here, honestly, wondering what I was going to talk about, because uh, I've never seen it in my four years in the Oregon. Uh, maybe you can talk to a little bit, but we have almost a whole new team. Like there's uh, there's been a day in the lineup where you have only one guy that that's been on the team for longer than three days or four days. Um, yesterday, we had Esteban and Roque back in the lineup. So those are two guys that have been here a while. But I, I think it's just guys trying to get to know each other. You have draft guys who have been together for two weeks for draft camp. So they're, they're a little close. And then you have a lot of guys that have been in the, the, the guys that have been here the whole year. It kind of feels like a whole new season for them because they have a, all new teammates that they have to adjust to and get to know. Um, you're still trying to learn names. And um, so it's really like opening day for us again. And, but we're, we're three and a half out from, uh, from first place Bradenton. Now we're playing Tampa right now. And we're starting to get some games back from them. Um, so, so we're hoping that uh, these guys being in a playoff race will hopefully keep them close together and uh, start to learn each other. Uh, a lot of a lot of good players. Uh, Michael Turconi, I think, is a, is a name to watch out for in the in the early going of this. Uh, just swings a good bat. Um, very impressive hitter in the in the three games. Obviously, um, Alan Roden, uh, Blue Jay one word turned Blue Jay two words. Uh, has from Creighton has been a uh, great to watch in the field. He's made three incredible plays already in, in three games. Um, so I still have a lot to learn. Uh, I mean, ho hopefully in the next couple of weeks, I'll have some better information uh, from these guys. Still got guys that haven't even appeared in the game. I don't think, um, but so far so good. It's good to watch. It's going to be a gigantic road series at Bradenton in a couple of weeks. That's uh, August 23rd through the 28th. Yep. huge and not only do you play three more games against tampa starting tonight oh bogo margaritas and house wine wow that's a promotion i can get behind uh what if you coupled that with kids run the bases but you let everybody run the bases i don't know if that would go so well with your bosses tonight is back to school night so the kids will run the bases wow really, terrific really fun for the whole family tonight oh my gosh but, that is that is a lot of fun welcome back to school cheers <laughs> But, but like you were saying, we have the three against Tampa right now. We're going to play Jupiter um, from the from the uh, east side, and then we're going to Bradenton, and then we're going back to Tampa. So still nine games against Tampa, six games against Bradenton. 
got our uh, destinies in our hands and we we get the chance to uh, see if we can make it. Uh, let's see D Murph working a little playoff magic with that high turnover yeah. DJ's roster. It does feel like we're getting more emails from Charlie than ever before. It, I think it's for our team. I think it's been a product of last year's draft. I think we went very pitcher heavy last year's draft. So I think you're just seeing uh, the product of now getting more uh, college hitters into this into, um, this level, which they're more ready for, and letting the guys that were here who did a great job while they're here in terms of, like, kept us three games out in the second half. Um, it's very admirable. A lot of guys getting promoted, obviously, and um, uh, obviously the nature of the business, just younger guys uh, having to go back down to the FCL. But I think really letting them go to the FCL and kind of learn baseball and just – be at the level with players that are their age and uh, just continue to grow that way instead of being thrusted into the uh, in a uh, low A or single A now where maybe hitting a little above uh, your weight uh, because you don't have those short seasons anymore. And I think that jump from the FCL to uh, single A is, is bigger than people probably realize. What is that dynamic like? That's actually something we've talked not at all about here on around the nest just this year is the fcl and maybe how things go at the very bottom of the ladder really you're still on the ground in many in many respects you're not even on a rung of the ladder yet just getting started is there interact is there overlap there what's where is the fcl in your consciousness in terms of your day-to-day is anything nearby what is that dynamic like um i mean they're at the complex um i don't go over there too much during the season but over the, the FCL is really just learning the game and getting used to that grind of getting there in the morning, uh, practicing, just understanding that it's, it's now a job for them. Um, and I think that it's great for the FCL to be able to, to teach them that. Um, and you're getting some games in. I think they play 60 games. Um, but the jump from those 60 games to, to playing 132 uh, is, is not an easy task and it's something that a lot of the guys haven't seen. And I think that's why you saw some of the guys struggle in the beginning or in the middle. Um, and hopefully, hopefully next season, now that they've had that experience and they come back up here, uh, you'll start to see some better product going forward. That is going to be interesting how the FCL factors into player development in the years going forward. We just had Alex DeJesus, who was, of course, part of the trade with the Dodgers that brought Mitch White over, sent Nick Frosso from the Canadians roster on the day he was supposed to start over to the Dodgers organization. But DeJesus made his uh, Canadians debut last night in Eugene, had a line drive double that just kept going and going and going. 20 years old, but even more so built like a man than Gabby Martinez. Like I was almost shocked at just how physical Alex DeJesus is. Watched his batting practice, watched him in the game, of course, lots of hard contact and certainly a guy who got initiated into the organization with a couple of games, I think six at bats in two games with the uh, FCL Blue Jays. So really a great place to not only get guys started on their pro career, but then also onboard guys from other organizations, almost like an extended orientation, if you yeah. want to try and make it uh, an equivalent to the business world. That's a very fascinating perspective. I've never really thought about it that way. It, it's an interesting dynamic. Um, and I, I think now that a lot of the guys were here and are back in the FCL, um, I think that connection's a little stronger uh, than it might have been prior uh but we'll see how it continues to grow because i think that is something that all teams will have to consider going forward um is the is the no short season and you're just fcl straight to straight to single a 
It's always growing and changing. They used to uh, pitch underhand 100 plus years ago. And now just it's a brand new business seemed like every year. But that's what keeps it interesting. That gives us us plenty to talk about. And speaking of things to talk about before we say goodbye on another edition of Around the Nest 2.0, AT, you can follow the DJs in more ways than ever before. Tell us all those ways. Yeah, of course. On social, Dunedin Blue Jays, um, all social, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, and then you can listen to the radio uh, for our home games. Uh, just go to uh, DunedinBlueJays.com and uh, go to team and listen live and uh, check out Chris Valentine and his calls. Uh, it's a great addition for us. Um, to, we, for Blue Jays fans in Toronto, uh, a lot of guys hopefully starting to get close. We just had a uh, Julie Merriweather rehab down here with us. Uh, Jackson Reese is another guy that uh, went out again. Adrian Hernandez also threw on Tuesday as well. So uh, a lot of guys, a lot of big arms that the uh, Toronto Blue Jays fans keep talking about are hopefully closer than they may realize. Straight from the source, as always, coming to us with all the tidbits we need. Andrew Tripley, thank you very much. Another edition of Around the Nest 2.0 is in the books. As always, like, subscribe, follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Special shout out to a full nest today. Three of four teams in a playoff hunt. You got to love that for Blue Jays baseball. And that's not counting the big leaguers. So make it four of five. But for Pat Malacaro, Steve Goldberg, Andrew Trifley, and our producer, Leo Mui, Tyler Zickel saying, go Blue Jays. Talk to you next time.